uh, to have you today, and thank you for sharing that. Praise the Lord. See, God answers prayer. That's great. Now, children, today we, we read in our devotional book this, and many of you have this devotional book. We gave this out, and uh, we gave it out. By the way, if I give it out to you, there's no ulterior motive behind it. A lot of people, they, they write a book. A lot of men make a book, and they sell a book to make a profit. We gave a book, okay? We bought a book and gave a book. To bless your home, okay? And so uh, uh, I hope this, hope you'll take it and read it, and this is what it's for. And it says January 9th. That's today, right? Okay, it says home building. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. William Levitt, he headed his fam- a family's successful construction company by carefully guiding it through the Great Depression. Following World War II, the company built and developed many suburbs to meet the housing of tens of thousands of soldiers returning to America. These early suburbs became known as the Levitt Towns. They were homes built according to the principles of an assembly line. They could build these homes and they shipped them to the suburbs where they were located. Because of this productive method, the homes were so cheap that the soldiers were able to buy them. And it says they built over 180,000 homes. Can you imagine building that many houses? That's a lot of houses. Levitt and Sons were able to build these homes so quickly, and they were built to last. And it is said that they were able to build a house every 16 minutes. They got a a cutting edge on me, okay? Um, I do want a year, not, not 16 minutes, okay? Um, far more important than buildings or houses, our families, our, our homes, we create inside those buildings. Strong and lasting families are built on the principles found in the Word of God. There's no shortage of dangers and threats facing our home today. Satan knows that by destroying the family, he undermines the church and the society. And against these threats, we must be on constant guard. There's a great deal of truth to the simple statement, the family that prays together stays together. Families who put God first, who focus on pleasing God and obeying Him and developing Christ-honoring relationships with one another, they find that building, they'll build a strong foundation, just as the Levitt homes were constructed following a master plan designed by an architect. God's given us a plan for our homes. And families, just like right now and today we have these few children up here front, we want to, in our homes, take a moment just like this where we stop and we read. It takes about five minutes. And we read a devotional already written, okay? And it'll bless you. It'll help you. It'll encourage in your home. Just take a few moments and read. And you say, what could a little reading do? We're reading through Daniel in our home. We read this, and then we read in the book of Daniel. And my little girls are understanding about Daniel. Now, they only knew about Daniel in the lion's den. But they're figuring out a lot of cool things about Daniel. Like that Daniel was offered the king's meat and the king's wine and he chose vegetables instead. And he ate vegetables for three years. Can you imagine turning down the best meat in the land and the best wine in the land to have vegetables? And they've been learning about that. And they've learned about the idol made of gold, the dream the king had. And they got pretty terrified this morning when we read about the fiery furnace. But you know what? I want them to remember those stories. And you know, it's fun for me throughout the day. I'll come home, I'll get supper, and they'll mention, yeah, Daniel and the golden head. And there was the, they remember little things about the story. So the little time that we have, like right now in church, what you want to do is you want to get home, you want to say, hey, mommy, hey, daddy, would you read me a little bit out of the Bible today? And ask them to read to you, okay? And ask them to do it with you at home, all right? Yes. 
That is great. That's wonderful. That's great, Annika. All right, you guys did wonderful. You can go back to your seats, okay? And so in our homes, I'm going to put the Word of God first. There is no magic wand. Reading this book is not the one solution to everything, but it's a tool just like any other tool. You can use it, and it will help. It will bless your home. It will strengthen your home in this year. And if you didn't get a copy, I encourage you to get a copy and uh, use it and read it. So glad to have each of you visiting with us today, and good having the wedding party visiting with us today. God bless you guys. What a great wedding that was yesterday, and uh, it was an honor to see. Uh, and look, they even sit on opposite sides. Okay, there you go, guys, just like you did in the wedding. <laughs> I had to say it, okay? Um, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, they were on the same side. I just like to tease you guys. You don't mind, mind a joke, do you? And, uh, but it, it was just, it was great. So sweet seeing Christian and Stephanie uh, having decided to commit together. And I enjoyed their own written vows. That was pretty cool. And watching that and being a part of that. You know, it's a blessing when a marriage, they try to build a marriage on the word of God. And Christian and Stephanie, I met with them just a few, uh, about a week ago. And, you know, I said, Christian and Stephanie, I said, I'm going to ask you a personal question. I hadn't seen them for a couple of months. We met six different times for about an hour and a half. And I said, I'm going to ask you a personal question. How's your daily Bible reading? That was the question, okay? I said, that's the key to your marriage. See, we try to make everything else. We're like, oh, if we do this, if we read this book, if we go to this church. No. How's your time with God personally? That's the key. And that's what we talked about. Okay? And uh, my friends, the key to a successful relationship, a successful home, is not uh, some magic wand. It's not uh, a school system. It's the word of God. And this morning, we're going to believe God to work and bless our homes and bless our families we're looking forward to uh, a great time together coming up in the next few days. Lord willing, next Sunday we'll have youth night. Hopefully all the youth will be healthy by then. And uh, youth night will be at 6 p.m. next Sunday. You say, what are we going to do? Um, we're going to have a great time together, a fellowship with the young people, and uh, just a good time together, a wholesome time, and just a time for me and my wife to get to know you better, okay? And parents, you're welcome to, you're welcome to come. You're welcome to leave them. Whatever you would desire to do, you're, you're welcome to do as you see fit. You're the parents. You make your own decision. But this will be young people aged 11 and up, um, and we'll look forward to that. All right, next Sunday at 10 a.m., we'll do our spiritual warfare. Uh, we're looking forward to that Bible study, that small group, and pray that we'll have great weather. There'll be no icy weather on that day, all right? And we'll look forward to having a great Sunday together at 10 a.m., Okay? Everybody's welcome to come for that. Let's join together Psalms chapter 127. Psalms and chapter 127. If you grab your Bible, Psalms 127 in verse 1. <clears throat> Last year, we really sought to have a goal as a church to thrive, to grow. And my friend, it's a personal decision to thrive, to grow in the Word of God. Also, it's a personal decision to have a family of faith. It doesn't happen by accident. You, if you've been in church, many of you have been in church for many years, right? You've watched people come and go. You've watched people grow up. You've raised your own children. And wouldn't we be honest to admit that having a family of faith is not an easy task? 
okay? If it was easy to raise our kids in the faith, if it was easy to, to train our kids to love church, then everybody's kids would love church, okay? It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. But this year, uh, I believe we want to focus on, as a church, building families of faith. How can we do that together? How can we have families Families filled with faith in this new year. Join me, if you would, Psalms 127. The Bible says, except the, Dr. Fauci, right? Except uh, the president, except the school system. No, what does it say? Except the what? Build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the... Lord, keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. The Bible talks about these children. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. God says there is great joy to having many children. Many of you in the room have several, have had many. What a great joy it is, God says, to have children. Now, our society says things like, oh, you had one? You're not going to have another, right? You've had two? Oh, it's two too many. You've had three? Wow, you have such a big family. You have to have 2.2 children on average on a society for the society even to continue to exist, all right? There is a great attack against the family today by society. And the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Let's join together in prayer. And uh, I love having kids in church. As you noticed, my kid uh, decided she was going to scream during kids' time today. And I love having kids in church. Please do all you can. Keep your kids in here. We love having kids in church. I don't care if they make noise because I want them to be in here. And I'll tell you why. Um, They will learn together. We will learn together. And we need to learn to love the kids. And if, we ha- if the parents wind up having to sit out of church each week, it's going to ha- cause a distant relationship between them and us, okay? So we do everything we can to work together, to love together, to strive together. Um, and uh, there's little things we can do, tricks we can do, trying to help those children to stay in church. But um, putting off the kids onto a kid's worker, if, you, if you've grown up in church, you'll see that doesn't work. Those kids don't stay in church better because they were with a kid's worker, okay? The kids don't stay in church better because they were in a nursery. Uh, The big-name churches that have a huge kids program, those kids, when they turn 18, they still leave church and run off on on their own. Um, It's not a kids program that solves the problem. I believe the family of faith, it's the Lord building our house. And so together, we're going to stay and try to worship God together this morning. What a blessing it is to do that in God's house. Let's pray and ask God to bless our homes and our families today. Father, we thank you today for the blessing and gift children are. And Lord, as, um, as right now, I know even for me and my family, 
I'm just going through a stage, Lord, where the next four months my child's going to make a lot of noise in church. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged, to be strengthened, and to, to every time we hear a child make a noise, we think, wow, what a blessing it is to have a child in church. Lord, that you would cause us to have joy and rejoicing at the fact that they're little precious children in the house of God. And that is such a joy. I know that you are pleased by each family seeking to bring their kids to church. I know that's a task. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage and bless each home. That you would pour grace out, strength out upon every marriage in this room. And Father, you would help us to have families of faith for the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. See, every family has a foundation. And how we feel when we're alone at home with this book is who we really are. How you and I feel when you're alone at home, when Facebook shut off and this book is sitting beside you, the attitudes you and I have towards this book, that's who we really are. And my friends, we can fake it until we make it, or we can say, Lord, help me, because I want the Lord to build my house. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, that build it. Brother Harmon's been working with these families, trying to help Eric and Andrew. I believe one of those brothers has, has a wife and kids. And for the sake of the kids, he's been trying to help the daddy get off heroin. But the daddy can't give up his addiction. And you know what? The whole family's going to be lost because of it. Now they're trying to sue him. Now they're trying to cause great trouble and great trauma. Why? Because of the sake of money. And it is crazy in this society how the family is being destroyed. I remember when I shared with some folks back a few years ago and I said, dear friends, I said, I can't. I said, we're going to pray for Brother Harmon. He's working with people and they're struggling with heroin and different things. And they said to me, they said, I didn't know people in other countries struggled with addictions like that. <laughs> the entire world is dealing with these things. And my friend, we live in a society that needs the help of God. And this morning, if we're going to get God's help in our homes, let's look at this verse very carefully. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain. God says if he is not building our home, we, we're just wasting time. We're wasting time going to church if God's not building our home. We are wasting time reading the Bible if we're not letting God into our life because we can read the Bible as a heathen, right? There are atheists who read the Bible as simply an intellectual book and they still don't believe in it. It does them no good because they don't have the faith to trust it, okay? So it doesn't help their life if they don't accept it into their life. So simply having information does not make us change. It is letting God come into our heart, letting the Lord build, letting the Lord do the building. Isn't it a beautiful thing when you're sitting there meditating on God's word and God gives you a fresh idea? I hope that's happened to you recently, my friend. If it hasn't, got to spend more time meditating. You spend some time meditating on this book and God gives you a fresh idea. It's like, that's what I need to do to try to help my two-year-old right now. Okay, that's what I need to do, right? This is what we need to do as a church. God gives an idea through the word of God. This is what I need to do in my personal walk with God. It's from the very word of God. It is the Lord that builds the house. The Lord builds the church. The Lord builds the house. And this morning, as we look at building families of faith, I want to... 
talk to you about these building blocks. And throughout the year, I want to talk to you about building blocks and what we can build upon it, okay? Uh, often we look at the facade, okay? And we judge ourselves based upon what we do for God. For example, can I serve the Lord without faith? Okay? I can do everything around the house of God without faith. Because I'm just going through the motions. You can go through the motions, all right? Can I live my life and claim to be a Christian? Do people do it and never go to church? Yes. Do people claim to love the Lord, to love his word, to, to be a family of faith? Do they claim to be Christians and never read the Bible? Yes. Okay, so it is very possible to think that we have the Lord building our house, but to have not let the Lord into the house. Okay, and so if we don't let the Lord into the house, uh, we're in trouble. The Bible is central and it must be central in our home. It is the written word that God has given to us. It's the foundation that we have upon which we must build our homes. And you say, well, you know, I need help with my family. I'm going to get a book on how to. Please don't rely on a parenting book. Go to this one first. Now, look, there's some great parenting books. But if we take the parenting book and we do exactly what the parenting book is, but we didn't meditate on this book, then what's going to happen when we get done parenting and now they're out of the house and they're married? We're going to not know how to have a relationship with them because this book gives the key on all relationships. This book guides us in every step, way beyond what a book can help us. Look, I read a great book this week or this year on, on keeping our kids in the faith and why the kids are already gone and how they're going to leave the home and leave the church unless we do something. But my friends, the key is getting us back to the Word of God and meditating on it. Uh, I want to bust a few myths this morning that our society has made about church. One myth is this. Bringing my kids to church will make them turn out right. If you've heard that before, would you say amen? amen. Is it true? Okay. Bringing my kids to church will make them turn out right. You say, Pastor, are you... <laughs> Why would I say that that's wrong? Don't I want people to come to church? I want you to think, all right? I want you to think. Look, if just bringing our kids to church will make them turn out right, then all the kids who have been brought to Calvary Baptist Church over the last 40 years would still be here. So that alone is not the solution. Let's be honest. Is reluctantly being forced into a building once a week to hear about God going to make anybody want that God? Okay, let's be honest, all right? Reluctantly being forced into a building to hear about God. You need to go to church to change your heart. If we have to reluctantly do it, there's some other things we need to try to ask God to help build in our lives, okay? So bringing our kids to church is not... The only key to the puzzle. Assuming that simply bringing them inside of the building is going to make them a Christian is a false assumption. A child who wants to be in church um, has been around somebody who loves church. When we love church and we have God-honoring values, they'll want to come see what the big deal is all about. 
It's fun for me when my girls wake up and they want to go find their little New Testaments that they can't even read. And they want to sit there and pretend to read their Bible. And they want me to turn them to a passage. And yes, of course, I fake which one it is sometimes, okay? Because uh, they got a little New Testament. But they want to be there. They want to read it. Uh, I want them to have that desire that when they see Daddy reading his Bible, they want to read their Bible. That we see Daddy studying for a message they want to be studying. They, they want to be... I don't want them to just have a religion, my friend. I want them to enjoy and see that it's fun. That I want them to see that when I do it, it's not, oh, i got to go study. No, it's what I love to do. Okay? Now, studying doesn't come easy for some of us, but yet it is a blessed thing. Reading the Bible in the home is another assumption. Reading the Bible in the home will cause my kids to turn out right. Reading the Bible in the home will cause my kids to turn out right. Okay, I grew up in a home where the Bible was read every day for the first 14 years of my life. Yeah, most of my siblings are lost. And many of them are not in church. This hits close to the heart for me, you understand? It was not just reading the Bible. It's more than that. Because I grew up in a home where Proverbs was read every single day in the home. Okay? And I believe my parents did their very best. But I'm just telling you, my friends, making the false assumption that simply reading a book is going to make my kids turn out right, we made a false assumption. Reading the Bible is a huge step in the right direction, but our lives have to back it up. We have to apply it as parents to our own life. Our kids need to see the Bible change us or they'll resent it. When our families see the Word of God is helping us to love, to forgive, it will leave an impact on them. Look, the public reading of the Word of God in home will bear fruit when there's a private life that's being changed by the Word of God. And the kids see, Daddy and Mommy, they read the Bible but it changes their attitude towards the employer. It changes their attitude towards these people, these relatives, these people who hurt them, these people who cursed their name, these people who did them wrong. When they see that the word of God helped mommy and daddy, and when mom and dad can say, you know what? God's helping us, and they see grace flowing through the parents, they will want to read about the book that gave us grace. Okay? They will want the book that gives us grace. So making the assumption that simply reading the Bible is going to cause the kids to turn out right is a wrong assumption. They have to see that we read it and meditate on it and it changes our life. Okay. Um, here's another assumption. All right. Now, forgive me if I step on your toe, but I'm just, I just, I'm just going to nail it as an assumption. I've heard this assumption for over 20 years. I need a kid's Bible version or VeggieTales in order for my kids to understand the word of God. I'm just going to go on record and say this, VeggieTales ain't always accurate. <laughs> False assumption. Can the kids have fun? Can VeggieTales have a place? Can these kids' Bible programs have a place? Yes. Look, um, my wife's grandfather loves watching the Bible, this movie about the Bible. Okay? He's in his 80s. He's watching a movie about the Bible, and he's like, I'm learning so much, okay? And he's watching a movie about the Bible, and he's learning about uh, Daniel Lion's Den. He's learning about the crossing the Red Sea. Friend, do we really need a movie to learn that? He's like, I'm learning so much about the Bible. I am so glad that he's learning. But you get it? The man has been in church for over 50 years, and he's learning about the Bible from a movie? 
we didn't read it much. You understand? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So if we rely on a movie to teach us the word of God, and I will tell you, it's a movie. Don't you know there's got to be a little bit of... Movies, they have to do stuff to make the movie interesting. If you expect that movie is exactly accurate, like it happened in the Bible days, like they were there with a video camera when Jesus walked by. Really? No, they weren't. And so we're, we, we give a picture to our kids of what Jesus is based upon what somebody else depicted Jesus to be. And look, it can help. I'm not saying it won't help. But making the assumption that that's the only way they can learn about God, it's a wrong assumption. Uh, kids' Bible programs and, and Bible books are a multi-million dollar industry. But if we would be honest, they sure haven't made much of an impact on turning our generation back to God, have they? I mean, millions and millions of dollars are spent every year buying these, these specialty books for kids. Doesn't seem to make them more spiritual, more godly, okay? So assuming that the kids' books are going to make the kids understand God, um, it's a false assumption. Now, look, my kids have Bible story books, some of which have, uh, have the ark, and it's not depicted exactly like it was in Bible days. I haven't exactly gone into explaining them all of that, okay? But they got Noah's ark with 10,000 windows. How many windows did the ark have? One, guys, okay? And they got this thing with drafts hanging out of it. It's like they're having a party. And uh, look, it's cool, but it sure is not realistic. And what does it make them think? It think, makes them think it's a fable, just like Aesop's fables and every other fable storybook that they read. And it basically dumbs down the Bible to the same level. And we've got to teach them at some point that, no, in the word of God, this is how it exactly was. And when they grow up, they're going to see, wow, the ark looked like that. That's boring. Um, that's what it looked like. It was a boat. Have you ever gone and seen a military boat? They look pretty boring and pretty plain, many of those boats. It's got a simple structure. But that's what goes across the water. The little funny boat we have in our storybooks for the kids uh, wouldn't go very far. We'll just say that those animals wouldn't have survived on that boat, okay? You read about that storm. Can you imagine trying to keep all those windows shut with that kind of wind blowing through, okay? So, <laughs> um, you know... As Americans, we're looking for an easy way out. Remember what the text says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, my wife and I had decided a long time ago, let's say a long time ago, five years ago, when we got married, we decided, um, <laughs> we decided that it was a financially stupid decision to have cable TV in the house, and so we didn't do that. We always get the cheapest internet plan possible. Okay, We just decided that. We thought $2,400 a year, if you save that, maybe you could do something with it. And so uh, we decided to not spend money on that. It's your decision if you want to do that, right? We just decided for, and you know what? With all the ads, I don't think we missed anything, okay? But we were on vacation a few years ago, and we, started, and we watched Shark Tank, which to me is, the boring part is the ads. The ads are more than the show. I don't understand these things, okay? Um, I want to pay $150 a month for a show where I have to watch ads. Okay, but anyways. Um, we were watching Shark Tank, and they had this little gadget these people had made to hold the dipping sauce when you go out to fast food. And the gadget was a little tiny piece of plastic, and it would stick in your car vent. Somebody, I think, invested a couple hundred thousand in that business. And I'm sure Americans bought it. Okay, it wasn't as attractive as the fidget spinners because I guess it didn't make it all the way around the nation. But what a 
Dumb investment, okay? But they knew that people would buy a little piece of plastic to hold their dipping sauce, and they wanted all their hot air from the air vent to blow over the dipping sauce. Can you imagine? Up, oh, dip, dip, and now i got to clean the vent because the dip spilled in the vent. Okay, I mean, like, <laughs> great design, guys. But I knew when I saw it, I said, wow, we as Americans are so, they know people are so lazy and so gadget conscious that we will go buy a little piece of garbage for, I think they were selling it for like five or seven dollars and stick it in our little car vent when we have cup holders and we could just stop and put it in our lap and eat it real quick. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, all right? But let's be honest, we do the same thing with the Bible. We expect some little gadget will help our kids understand the word of God. Some little gadget. Not too long ago, somebody said, you know what? They said, Pastor, I struggle reading the Bible. A friend I, I met in, in this store, and they said, you know, I've decided I'm going to buy an electronic Bible. And they told me about how they bought this electronic Bible. And they said, Pastor, I bought an electronic Bible, and so I can go to any verse, any time, and read it, because I just like electronics. I was like, so how's the reading going? Oh, I really haven't used it yet. To what advantage is the electronic Bible that you spent? I'm like, why don't you just use the smartphone? It's free. Well, my smartphone's too full. Okay, let's delete something and put the free app on there and see if it works. Um, let's buy another gadget to understand the Word of God. Okay? I mean, we just live in a day in which we're trying to make life so easy. You can get a Bible anywhere. And most of us have more than one sitting in our bookshelf gathering dust. Um, I have two leather Bibles that I was given a graduation that are of a format that's different. I like this format for preaching. I get confused using the other one. I tried to preach out of the other one that I got at graduation. I just struggle with the format. And so um, those Bibles are sitting in my shelf, and they're not even being used. They have a nice note from my professor when I graduated. But you know what? Those Bibles are not being used. And look, if you're, all of our Bibles just stay in the bookshelf and we never use them, they do us no good. Uh, the Bible ought to be out, and we ought to take good care of it, and we ought to use it and protect it. And, uh, hey, our kids ought to recognize this book, and they ought to see it in the home. Like uh, my daughter this morning, she goes, I noticed you have a, your Bible sitting on the couch, Daddy. And, uh, and Daddy was up at midnight, and, and she, she, didn't, she came, she's like, Daddy, I see your Bible down there. And uh, that was the first thing she noticed in the day. That was the first thing that she came to talk to me about was where she saw the Bible sitting, okay? It wasn't about the toys she got for Christmas. It, that was, to me, that was encouraging. It's like, hey, I saw your Bible over there, you know? The kids ought to recognize, they ought to notice the Bible. They ought to know that it's the book that we read. It's the book that helps us. It's the book that gives us hope. And uh, by the way, I, I don't have a personal problem uh, reading and understanding the Bible that I use. Um, I find that there's so much money spent on trying to make the Bible easier to understand. And I have found since reading this Bible at the age of five or six when I started reading it, it, it has been very, I've understood it, grown to understand it. I love it. And I don't really want to change it. I don't need an easier version to understand it. I've found that it's very easy to understand if I will study it. It takes work. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think uh, we don't, the problem is, is not the version. The problem is more about discipline. Study to show thyself approved unto God. If we would study, 
then we would be able to help the kids understand the principles of God's word. It takes time to understand the Bible in quiet meditation. Here's another conclusion that we have, a false assumption. When we come to raising families and building families of faith, here's another assumption. My kids need Sunday school to learn about God. I remember Sunday school as a 12-year-old. I went to a church, and they did a very good job. The teacher did a very good job trying to help us. But you know what I remember about Sunday school most of all? The crafts I did and things like that. I don't really remember what I learned because most of what I learned I had already learned in the home. Okay? Uh, the greatest place to teach our kids about God is the home. And that's really the key. Okay? So... Dear mom, dear dad, why not teach them about God directly from his word each day? That will have far more impact than rushing through a 45-minute Sunday school class and praying and hoping that that lesson will do them good. Um, even, even with church, sometimes we think if we come to church that we're going to learn and we're going to grow so much. It's the daily walk at home. And uh, please don't be embarrassed, brother, but just I've been encouraged by Brother David. He writes me, he'll say, Pastor... I'm still meditating on that sermon you preached six months ago. And it's helping me in my walk with God today. That's pretty rare that somebody keeps in touch. Well, John does the same thing. He'll, he'll reach out to me. He'll let me know, hey, this sermon was helping me. This sermon I heard a few months ago. That is far more impact if we will remember the word of God a few months later than just hearing it and forgetting it. Letting it soak into our life, letting it change and mold the way we are and who we are. This morning, as we think about having a family of faith, and we're going to be dealing with this over this year, trying to have a family of faith founded on the Bible. Understanding salvation is key. When we talk about faith, we're talking about salvation. Salvation is key in our homes, and we need salvation. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And so if there's no salvation in the home, then the home is not going to be a family of faith. There needs to be salvation. Jesus needs to be in charge. The Bible, faith, and then we need to have the word of God in the house of God being used. And we need the house of God central in our lives. As we think about building families of faith, we look at the facade often and we think about, well, we're serving others. These people have character. We have character, whatever. My friend, these things are the product of the foundation. The foundation is the word of God. If we don't have salvation, we don't have the Bible, we don't have church, we can have, people can aspire to, to a certain list of rules and have certain character qualities that are forced upon them, but that comes from the heart. So building a family of faith is at the foundation level, and it, grow, it comes out of our personal walk with God. I want to share with you this thought this morning. A family of faith is built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. God himself being allowed to rule in the home. Submitting yourselves one to another, the Bible says, in the fear of God. Remember Joshua? Remember Joshua? See, he was saying, he was saying amen right there. You know Joshua? He said, as for me and my house, we will serve who? The Lord. A family of faith is built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. Would you this week go to God and say, Lord, would you show me what you want to change in our home? Like, we, we give you the whole schedule. We give you 
uh, everything. The way we decorate, the placement of the furniture, uh, the, the things we listen to, the things we watch. Everything we do, we want to have a family of faith built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. Asking God to help us to have a family of faith. According to this text, we're wasting our time if the Lord isn't building. We have one simple vision this year to build families of faith. By the way, that will not happen in just one year. It is a life of meditation upon the word of God. That we would each grow together in building family, our families up in the most holy faith. Look, we, we did some wonderful things. You did some wonderful things as we all got gifts together for the children. And you drew names. And, and we had a wonderful opportunity to, to directly encourage a family or a child in church. You don't have to have kids in your home right now to make an impact this year. We all can make an impact. We all can help build families of faith. We ought to make a goal, if we have kids in our home, to read one storybook to our child each day. Uh, by the way, if we're going to have our kids listen when we read the Bible, we ought to read storybooks to them too. It gives them a balance, and they learn, and they understand, and they get to grow together. Make it a goal to read to them. We can all be friends to those who are raising children. You say, Pastor, I don't have kids. Is this year going to have anything for me? It's going to have everything for you. We all, most everybody in this room either has a grandkid or you have a friend or an acquaintance in this building that has a kid, all right? That you can encourage, that you can help. You can say encouraging words. You can be thoughtful towards them. We can encourage those raising children by being loyal, being there for them, remembering them, and teaching yourself to think of others. Think of others. How often do you send out a text message or a phone call simply to ask others how they were doing? Simply to ask others how they are doing, caring about others. Oftentimes, we only care about ourselves. And when you care about others, you're reaching out. Hey, how are you guys doing? You genuinely care about other people. You will help together as we seek to build families of faith for the glory of God. In just a few days, one of the young mothers who's been coming to our church, Maeve, will be having a child. We want to, uh, we want to take meals to that home. You, you could decide right now, man, I want to take a meal to that home. I want to try to be a blessing to that, uh, that mother. Uh, I want to be a blessing to those people in that household. I want to encourage that family. And my wife's already planned. She's already made some plans in order to help and encourage Maeve when she has her baby. And so, look, a family of faith is, is built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. Think about more than just yourself. Think about more than just uh, your own kids. Think about others. Think about others. And there's so many of you do this already, but many of you could grow in this. Think about others. A family of faith is built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. Maybe something we could do for one another. We could do something maybe to try to help and encourage so that give the others a little bit of a break sometimes so that they might be able to uh, do what they need to do to let God rule in their home. Give them a moment so they might be able to think alone without their children maybe, whatever it might be. A family of faith is built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. We're going to have a time as men, we're going to go down to the men's prayer advance in just a few days. And it's going to be a great time to pull away and to get apart. 
and to find the Word of God. And our wives are going to watch the kids. But you know what? Right after that, the next weekend, um, my wife's going to take a group of ladies. And uh, she's already got several of them signed up. They've already committed. They say they're going to go. And they've already found somebody to watch their kids and all these things. And, and my wife found somebody to watch our kids. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And look, it's a blessing to give the other a little time to pull away. And uh, a family of faith is built by God himself being allowed to rule in the home. Next, as we, move, as we think about this year, a lasting legacy begins with little decisions. I want you to notice with me Genesis 22 as we wrap things up this morning. Genesis 22. Genesis 22 in verse 17. She's happy. She's happy to be in church. It's little Eliza. You know, kids are such a blessing. Happy to be in the house of God. Genesis 22, verse 17. He says that in blessing, I will bless thee. Do you want God to bless your home? I want God to bless my home. He says that in blessing, I will bless thee. God says, I'm going to bless Abraham. Now, I'm not Joel Osteen, so I'm not going to stop there, okay? I'm going to continue. Look at verse 18. I like to make jokes sometimes, all right? Look, I, go, I enjoy listening to him for humor's sake. But he's a comedian, not a preacher, okay? Um, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Wow, God's promising to bless Abraham. And everyone will be blessed because of this seed, the children that Abraham will have. But look on, it says, because thou hast, what does it say? Obeyed my voice. God says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a lasting legacy because of you, Abraham. Think about it. He's 100 years old when he has his first child, and his wife's in her 90s. Can you imagine having a kid that old? I mean, you're that old, and you have never been able to have a child, and that's when God gives you a child. Obviously, we understand, yes, Abraham did have an illegitimate child, Ishmael, by his maidservant. But... You look at that text and you see God blesses them with a child in the home. God gives them uh, Isaac and God gives them uh, a legacy. But I will tell you that lasting legacy God promised to them not because they were special, but because they did one simple thing. They obeyed the Lord. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so, look, children of the heritage of the Lord, God wants to bless our homes but it's, it's God's going to bless us for making simple decisions, obeying the Lord. Let's not be like the children of Israel, where every man did what was right in his own eyes. If you would be honest, if I would be honest, isn't there a lot of that going on today? Okay, Everybody just does whatever's right in their own eyes. In terms of how we parent, we just do whatever's right in our own eyes. Uh, we consult with the child's therapist on how to raise the child. Maybe we ought to consult with the Bible and maybe with those who maybe study the Bible, uh, maybe that would be a good place to start instead of consulting with some uh, therapist who's been educated in the philosophies of the world. And then we wonder why the child comes out with a worldly philosophy. It's because they got their philosophy not from this book, but from something else. And so a lasting legacy begins with obeying the word of God. Little decisions. Families of faith 
are families that simply learn the basics and don't get bored with the basics. How many of you have played, you played football as a child? Any of you guys like that? Most of you guys homeschooled or something. Okay, you didn't play it. Yeah, okay, it's great. I was home taught. I didn't play football as a child. Uh, it was a rough sport. My dad taught us never to wrestle with each other. We didn't wrestle till we were older. But um, it was just what he didn't want. He saw a lot of force play. He didn't like it. Um, but you played that game. Didn't you have to play by some basic rules? Every single game, the coach would yell to you probably the same instructions He'd want you in the same place, and based upon who played and played according to the basic, simple instructions, those were the ones who got to not sit on the bench all the time, right? But there are some guys who got to sit on the bench all the time because they didn't listen to the basic rules, right? It wasn't always the most talented guy who would get to go play. It's often just the guy who follows the basic instructions, whatever the coach said. In the same way in our Christian walk, God gives us basic instructions, but we get so bored with the basic instructions. We say, man, there must be something bigger. There must be something greater. Maybe we could try something new. Maybe we could do this. Try something new. Read the word of God, meditate on it, and believe God to work. Try something new. <coughs> I swallowed <coughs> that the wrong... <coughs> I just tried something new, okay? <laughs> My daughters tried that quite often. I tried it. You know, reading through Genesis, I read of Abraham, but I also read of Lot. You know, there's a story that impacted me about Lot. You guys know who Lot was? Related to Abraham, lives close to Abraham. Abraham, his brother-in-law, I mean, he's close to him, he's everything, got everything. Lot says, I want to go over here. And he goes and lives close to Sodom, where it's beautiful ground. He gets into the city, he gets in leadership in the city. You say, how great that was. Lot is a leader in Sodom. Yes, the Bible says he was a righteous man and he was vexed by seeing all the evil things that happened. But we notice later on, when Lot left Sodom, some interesting things transpired in his life. He leaves Sodom, and I just read this in my devotions this week, and so I, I, I want to share it with you, because we talk about a family of faith, and this is kind of the opposite. Lot's family didn't kind of turn out right, okay? Um, Lot's on his way out of Sodom. God says, don't turn back. His wife turns back, and she turned into a pillar of what? You know, Lot had two daughters, right? You guys remember what happened to those daughters? It wasn't good. And I don't know where the daughters learned their sinful practices, but they must have learned it from watching the evil people in Sodom. Because those daughters knew how much wine to give their father to make him entirely intoxicated and so that they could have children by him. And they successfully did it. One did it one night, the other one slept with him the next night. Now, I don't know where they learned how to do that, but they must have learned it from all the people in Sodom. And so Lot, the righteous man, the Bible says who was vexed with the evil deeds, his own daughters fornicated with him, had children by him, children which then oppressed the children of Israel for the generations to come. The children of Moab and the children of Ammon were, the Ammonites, were children descendants of Lot. The battles that the children of Israel, the battles that Isaac's kids, Abraham's children, fought 
They had to fight battles against their own relatives who were born because of an illegitimate relationship that their daughters, the daughters had with the father simply because the daughters got their father drunk in order to do it. Isn't it crazy? A lasting legacy begins with little decisions. And we have Abraham here. God says, you've taught your children to obey me. You've obeyed me. And God says, I'm going to bless you because you obey me. He says, all the earth's going to be blessed because you obeyed my voice. Now the opposite happens for Lot. The, the families of the earth are not blessed because of his kids. Because Lot maybe didn't obey the voice of the Lord. Little tiny decisions. You say, Lot, that was just such a small decision. You know, you were being a witness there. Well, it didn't seem to turn out too well for his family. Because now he has grandchildren that wind up fighting with Abraham's great-grandchildren. Grandchildren that wind up leading the children of Israel into sin. The same sins that their mother committed, they committed with the children of Israel later, later on. Generational sins pass on unless we break them. And look, having a lasting legacy begins with little decisions. God said, and I was just, I was just reading in my devotions this, this week. God said, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast done what? Obeyed my voice. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. As I shared with Christian and Stephanie yesterday, the secret for victory in our homes lies within our own heart, mind, and will. We must make little decisions each day to obey the word of God. It's our own heart that inclines toward God or despises God. It's our own mind that thinks about the word of God or thinks about our own way. It's our own will that chooses to follow Christ or chooses to follow ourselves. And so a lasting legacy begins with little decisions that we make in our own heart, soul, and mind. We decide, we choose little tiny things, and that makes a big difference in our homes. And so the secret for that victory is thou seeking to walk with Christ. Hitler is known for raising an army of youth. But you know, he wrote the following... He said, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. He also said, universal education is the most corroding, disintegrating poison that liberalism has ever invented to its own destruction. He was also known for saying, give me a child when he's seven and he'll be mine forever. I think he understood that all too well. Did he not? Children are the secret for a healthy church, us raising them to love Jesus Christ. And that starts by us walking close to Jesus Christ. A lasting legacy begins with little decisions, like the little decision we made to come to church today on this icy day. What a great decision. But little decisions to read God's word and pick it up each day. Um, every day that we pick up God's word and we pick up the devotional book and we sit down to read it, we will be tempted to not do that. We will be tempted to pull away. We will be tempted to let something else come into our life, into our home. But my friend, we must put God's word first or it will be put to the side. Would you let God's word come into your home and would you commit this year, I want to let God's word flow in? You say, Pastor, what if I miss a day or two? It happens, okay? Um, in, our, in our home, sometimes we miss family devotions. Sometimes that happens, okay? Uh, we do lead busy lives. But it happens rarely, but it does happen. Um, sometimes we'll go three days and then we'll read three days worth that, that day. That does happen. Now, in my personal walk every day, 
family. Sometimes there's things that happen. Sometimes we might be out of town. Sometimes uh, I might have to get up and leave the house at 5 in the morning for a couple of days. There are things that might happen, okay? But we, it starts with little decisions, putting the Word of God and, and putting it first in our home. As we begin this new year... We will move forward with a consistent stride in the same direction, taking little steps in the same direction. As has been said many times, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you start to read God's word? One verse at a time. How do we start to learn the precepts of God's word? One principle at a time. How do we, how do we raise our kids to love Jesus Christ? One little step of obedience at a time. A child who knows... Right from wrong can know and learn to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Will you purpose today to join in this mission to build a family of faith? Today we want to together ask the Lord to help and work in our families and help us to have families of faith. And if you want to commit to do that, in just a moment we're going to have an invitation. And dear, I'll take the baby. And when we do the invitation, um, daddy's going to take a risk, all right? And uh, here, little one. You want to come with Daddy? All right, you come right up here. And we're, we want to have families of faith, and we want to ask God to help. And I want to ask God to help at my home. But I want to add, invite you this morning to come forward to pray and find a place and just say, you know what, Lord, with your help, I want to have a family of faith. Lord, with your help, I want to build a home that's pleasing to the Almighty God. With your help, I need your help, and I want to allow Jesus to rule in my home. Except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. Would you bow before the Lord your maker today? Would you come and would you ask him to work in your home? A lasting legacy begins with little decisions. Let's stand together for prayer. We thank each of you who watched by way of live stream today. Let's pray and then we'll close out the live stream. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. We thank you that Jesus died for our sins, according to the scripture. And Father, we pray that you would help each of us to live a life pleasing to God, a life pleasing you in every area of our life. Lord, that we might have a legacy of faith, following the word of God, families of faith built up in the most holy faith. That you might bless every home represented in this room, every parent in the room, that you might help us this year that, Lord, as the society around us, we see much, much troubling us, that we might come to the word of God and find hope and help and encouragement in the words of Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, as we stand here for invitation, we're just going to take a moment this morning and ask God to work in our lives and work in our homes. And maybe you with me would just say, you know what, Pastor, with you, As I know you're trying to raise your family, we're going to try to raise our family by the word of God. We're going to purpose together by the grace of God. And if you're here, uh, just even maybe you raise your children on your own. You're going to just say, you know what, I purpose to raise my child by the grace of God this year in the word of God. I want to let the word of God in my home this year. The best of my ability, I'm going to seek to try to do that. I want to seek to put that first Would you just pray for me, Pastor? I want to do that. And I'm asking God for help today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up to the God that sees and knows? I want to do that in my home. Amen. Anyone else? I want to do that in my home. Amen. God bless you. Let's take a moment right now as the piano begins to play. And let's come forward and pray. I believe it would be appropriate to even pray with our wife, pray with our children, whatever the Lord leads you to do. As the piano plays, would you just come forward and you ask God to work and bless, strengthen, help, 
pour out His Spirit upon your home, upon your family, that you might have a family of faith, leave a legacy as Abraham did. He obeyed God.